In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells us not to despise the little ones. But what does that mean? Is he talking about children? Or is there another meaning to his words? This week on Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake, we'll find out just who the little ones are and how we can be certain not to despise them. Drake Hunter is senior pastor at Elevating Life Church in Fort Morgan, Colorado, founder of the nonprofit Four Dimensional Living, as well as the author of three books, including his latest, Wonderfully Weird, and the soon to be published fourth book, Wonderfully Weird Goodness. Now, this week's edition of Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake Hunter. Welcome back once again to Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake. I'm your host, John Waters, Pastor Drake in studio with me. Good morning, sir. Good morning, good morning. Now, I, I want to say that, uh, as always, we pre-record these programs. That's right. Uh, and actually, uh, as people are hearing this right now, you're in Casper, Wyoming at a camp for youth. Yes, probably preaching my first message at 10 o'clock in the morning right there at the camp uh, to our young people, to the little ones, if you will. Uh, and They would get upset if I said that. Young adults uh, are teenagers. And so, yes, we should have a, a good group of young ones up there, probably about 50 to 55. And I get to spend uh, the whole week 10 uh, messages actually just guiding them and, and coaching them in, in the ways of Jesus. So I'm so excited about that and always love that. That's my heart, John. You know that to really guide these uh, little ones, be it, uh, yes, young adults such as teenagers but even young in the faith where we get to truly guide them and direct them to let's say the good place or we can say uh, the promised land of God which is his kingdom and the wonderful thing now John is you know in the New Testament and in, in the covenant that we live in we actually get to actually live in the kingdom of God with Jesus and other in a way that no other uh, no other what's the, what's the word uh, generation uh, was uh, given the the privilege of doing and so, yeah, up on the mountain with the young people and, and leading them uh, to that point of hopefully resolve with some big challenges in life where they get to come off the mountain and, and experience a new experience uh, in their life from that point forward. So very, very excited. So that's what I'm doing right now if you're listening to this. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll be uh, very interested to hear uh, some of the stories that uh, come back from camp. Yes. Well, you mentioned the little ones. Yes. And our wonderfully weird command for this week is uh, another one of those that gets is frequently misunderstood. Despise not the little ones. And uh, this comes out of Matthew 18, verse 10. And so while folks are turning there, Drake, um, set us up with the question. The question this week is, with the little ones on your mind, let me say it this way too, especially if you are a, a mentor, a coach, an overseer of uh, you know, a group of people or even a person might, you might be mentoring, this would be the question really to go through. And if we think about that too, we all are in that role in one way or the other. Right. And so here's the here's the question. Do you sense you are a tolerant person or do you tend to use blame, guilt and condemnation, let's say, or condemn those you guide in the faith? Mm. Now, you need to hear that because the word tolerance today or tolerant is a tricky word because we want to be extremely biased with this word uh, in the church. Mm -hmm. because we think it, it to tolerate, we automatically go to the bad place rather than the good place. And John, isn't that the easier thing to do? Well, let's do the hard thing today, and let's focus on God's goodness 
and understand what that means in the boundaries of our faith. Because we have to have tolerance if we are to guide with love. That's with mercy and forgiveness and long-suffering and everything that is love so that we can truly develop or guide these young people to their next step and or whatever that would be objectively to be their very best in the faith. It's our responsibility. So we cannot, let's not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What do I mean? Let's not define tolerance today in our own opinions or our own description. That's the tree of, of death. So let's kind of look at uh, this command especially with that word tolerant in our mind in the sense of our faith. We have to have a character trait uh, that will be tolerant so that we can be leaders that will be effective in, in the faith. Well, as I mentioned, this command, wonderfully weird command, despise not the little ones, comes from Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. And uh, Drake, read that for us from the ESV version. Matthew 18.10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So let's talk about who this is talking about. Yeah. What is, who, is the, who is Jesus referencing in this command? Well, let's take the word angel out just for a second because this can be misinterpreted too but of course when you're studying and understanding the bible we know that the word angel have has different meanings depending on uh, let's say the framework of that episode in the bible or whatever that might be but here's the messenger of god or somebody to that that understands objectively that message mm -hmm. and so it implies of course leaders so what is this command about this command is about the role of leadership. And okay. it makes sense, John, because we're now into these teachings of Jesus, these wonderfully weird commands. And, you know, last week it was now deny yourself. Self-leadership should be now uh, under our belt. And we're living in the repentance of that and taking care of our own beam. But this this is a, a shift, if you will, now from self-leadership to organizational leadership, if I can put that in, in, in terms we understand today, okay. team leadership. And so uh, it's about now leadership leading others, that second part of the great commandment, if you will. And leaders have a responsibility to keep watch. Now, isn't it interesting, John, the command to come, we're going to get there, is to watch and pray. Right. And that word watch means to get over uh, in, in the sense of your roles and responsibilities so that you can truly see where the challenges and where the victories are and truly be a leader to move the team forward so that you can then pray, watch and pray. That means focus, attention, and, and you've got to get to the next step in the sense of God's pathway or his plan so that we can achieve his purpose, the calling, if you will, of uh, the mission that we're responsible for. So there you go, to keep watch over those, those little ones, if you will, uh, the leaderships are the leaders. Excuse me, is to do that. Are they are? Huh, I'm kind of getting my words mixed up here, John. So the responsibility of the leader then is to keep watch over the little ones, so that they can guide them along the good path of life, and that's life now and for all eternity. That's what I was trying to say. All right. Well, when you talk about the little ones, that doesn't just mean kids. 
doesn't just mean children, right? That's exactly right. Uh, in fact, that's all of life. Uh, for instance, I, had, I, I became a little one just this last week. Uh, I, I get into a new experience and not really understanding what's going on, but then uh, I look for direction, and then I become that little one, and who is the one that's gonna give direction properly with care and, and candor and everything that goes with that, and you know, try to figure out what's going on. Well, that in that sense, as where we're at in ministry, we are the overseer of our ministry, that God mm -hmm. has given us that responsibility. But in this situation, Good night. I'm back to the little one. So it's all about discernment and understanding how to discern the different experiences or we can even say uh, episodes in our lives or in knowing uh, when to walk in and out of, let's say, leadership and followership. So we can say follower would be a sense of a, a young one or a little mm -hmm. one. And we have to do something. You, you triggered something here, John, that's very important because most of us see leadership uh, as a, you know, one up, one down type of responsibility. Leaders are up on top. Followers are, are on the bottom. One up, one down. That is not Jesus's way right. of understanding leadership. It's just the opposite where leadership, let's say, is on the left of a continuum and followership is on the other side. And throughout the day, we're actually somewhere on that continuum with the different experiences. And we come in and out of our our leadership roles, uh, but you're always a leader. But where are you at on that continuum? Are you closer to the follower side because somebody else is taking direction? You know, a good example would be our relationship where you take the role of leader, you share the direction, I follow. And then it, flipping that around in a different mm -hmm. episode, if you will, in the sense of our responsibility with the church, exactly the same. And, and this is how we are to view leadership because we're all equals, Jesus said. In fact, that's mm -hmm. the part of the movement of Christ is that we've got to get that leadership follower continuum properly in place. And then uh, we have discernment, not only of character, but of experiences, knowing when to step in and out of it. And so when we can understand that, boy, you really find rest for your soul and, and understand that good night. This is how God designed it to be that. Yes, I am both a leader and a follower depending on on the um, on the uh, experience. So kind of coming back what the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus, yes. both being both a leader and a follower. Right. And, and just learning how to discern that and and knowing when to step in and, and and discern it to say, OK, now it's my role to be the driver. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so but I think so many Christians have a very foggy understanding of leadership because we've been so conditioned in our world world so again that just don't despise the little one especially when you get into that leadership role because jesus didn't do it and if we are to be like jesus that's exactly how we're supposed to do it let's talk about that word despise and kind of <laughs> define that for us yeah that word is very interesting uh let me say indeed it's it's a it's a mean word can i put mm -hmm. it that way what doesn't mean to despise the little ones. Well, the word Jesus used in this command is similar to the words like scorn. We can say disrespect. Uh, spurn uh, is another word that comes to mind. Criticize. Oh my goodness, how many critical people do we have today? Or to disapprove. And it's a word used to describe the many 
uh, immoral, if I can put it that way today, one up, one down relationships that we see in our culture today. In, in, in marriages, in families, uh, we'll say churches for sure, very legalistic in nature here, and or in our communities. And that is man's understanding. Uh, the natural human being and the sin nature falls into that challenge, which is a huge problem because we continue to want to go back to that human nature and fall back into that, let's say, sin, and without even realizing it, going, whew, and it causes a lot of sickness in the faith. Comes from a place of pride then. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. I have a harder word. How about narcissism? Narcissism. Narcissism. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> All right. And, and that, you know, John, I don't want to be, let's be caring here, of course. We won't be straightforward, but not always intentional. Right. Because most people mean well, but they, they feel it. Uh, they sense it, uh, which is the deeper aspect of who we are. But don't forget, all of that is subjective. And then when we start defining uh and interpreting the world with those emotions and those feelings, we're actually eating from the tree of death, going back to what I shared earlier, that we partake in the knowledge of good and evil, which that tree just means that Eve took that fruit. It looked good. It felt good. You know, emotionally it all worked. And then she took a bite out of it. She defined what good and evil is rather than depending and trusting on God. And so, of course, that's what we mean by falling into the sin. You're following, follow, following into following fa falling thank you falling into uh that mess that started this this whole conversation right now <laughs> yeah absolutely well what is it then is you're leading into that what is it that causes us then to despise little ones oh my goodness what causes us to despise the little one what is this sin we've already mentioned it mm -hmm. we know what it is what causes people to despise is the belief Okay, I'm going to use the elevating life term here. Uh, it's the belief of, I, I think I'm all that in a bag of Doritos with a Mountain Dew on the side. Right. Meaning you have a God complex and look down on others and believe they are not, let's say, significant enough to carry out those expectations that you put in place. Or they have little to offer towards whatever the project or what it might be. And so it's a God complex. Going back to the Garden of Eden with, with Eve, that's the whole issue with Adam and Eve. They took from the fruit because they were influenced. They fell into the temptation because then they, because they want to be like God. Mm -hmm. You know, the influence says, well, you can be God, the sin of envy, right? And then boom, she takes a bite. We take a bite. And then here we are doing the same exact thing and we want to blame them and we want to find guilt with others we would never do that and then condemn the little ones uh, for not following our god complex if you will and it never works it never does and we can see a lot of leaders that are suffering subjectively and and what that means rather than truly following the objective wisdom of god or the tree of life we can put it that way so um i guess egotistical would be a word you could use yeah narcissistic again and what you shared uh, this is a prideful person and, and again they have that god complex which is a big problem now with a problem of course just like we want we want to be graceful people where we we show mercy grace is part of who we are so we understand the gap but we do need to see how to discern this first and foremost in our own life 
Uh, and then, of course, those we are responsible for. But let's take the beam out of our own eye first and let's look at some symptoms so we can kind of just reflect on this during our prayer time or Bible reading and all of that so that we know what to look for to make sure that uh, we are staying in the will of God. Well, and just to make sure people understand where uh, where you're coming from, where we're coming from, yes. not an area of condemnation, but rather of like a doctor does. Yes. Let's uncover what the issue is so that we can then go in through the symptoms, yes. uh, then do what needs to be done in order to fix that problem correctly. Yeah, care. You know, a doctor with uh, good bedside manners, let's put it that way. <laughs> right. right. It's hard to find, but that's we want to be uh, caring and, of course, with good bedside manners. So this is with the bigger picture in mind for whoever's listening so that you can get to your very best uh, so that you can truly carry out not God, not the problems of this world, but God's purpose. And and that's exactly why we, we share this and we want the very best and we want you to achieve the impossible. And that is to get over the mountain of problems that are in our life. And, and that's exactly what the Christian is all about. We are in uh, the moving mountain business, let's put it that way. And Let's just face it. We got mountains of problems and we want to help. Well, let's look at the symptoms then, okay. Drake, of uh, despising the little ones and some of the things we need to be aware of to identify that particular problem. Yeah, so people with a God complex tend to have many symptoms. Now, okay. symptoms, I mean, uh, they have unconfessed sins typically. Uh, as we just shared, they typically have a beam in their own eye. They've not really conquered their own leadership or the direction in their life, what we call self-leadership. Uh, they don't understand uh, their own self-worth typically and how uh, God has made them to carry out his purpose. They miss that altogether. In fact, can't even speak towards God's purpose in their own personal life with God and with Jesus. And so there's typically a beam uh, in their own eye. That would be one. Another one is uh, what is known as, uh, you have this symptom of what is known as defensive hope, and that just means you have hope with the dream rather than hope with a standard or an expectation. So if you have a hope and there's no expectation and or understanding of what the standard is or, or, or a base to that hope, which is always Jesus, mm -hmm. clearly, so if you don't know the commands of Christ or the teachings of Jesus, let's say you do know uh, even the teachings, your expectation might be wrong. It might be the expectation of your boss or Christians going back, oh, I follow Paul and I follow. No, we follow Jesus first and foremost. Uh, if not, uh, the defense is with that hope. And you can think of Peter in the garden here because Peter came in immature. He was narcissistic. He was prideful and he was going to rescue Jesus. Mm. This, this is one of those. This is defense of hope. Rather, and then what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Peter. Good night. I'm the one to lead and direct here the ministry. Get behind me, and let's not be defensive in our hope. Let's be truly, we'll say optimistic, but better yet, with expectation. With me being the expectation. Get behind me, Satan, because I'm leading the way. And so uh, there's another symptom, just to name a few. But I do have three uh, big ones, and this is more personal, John. Uh, so when I say three big ones, it might not be for you, but in our culture and what I went through over the last two decades, uh, three decades now, I forgot how old I was, John. Uh, yeah, this, these were the big three for me. So let's kind of quickly look at those symptoms. Well, number one is uh, being a rescuer. Again, like Peter in the garden, we see that in John 18, 10. Uh, this is the Christian following, again, 
Peter's example in the garden rather than Jesus. We already talked about that. Number two is perfectionism. And this is a person who misunderstands Jesus's command, be perfect. We are to be perfect in the vision of God and never be expected to be perfect in this life. And so where there's no vision, the people perish. What should be the Christian's perfect vision? Well, go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and allow that garden to be the perfect vision in your life. And that's what you're going to always move towards as we see in the Bible. The very beginning, anchor yourself in Genesis 1, first God's love. That's what that's all about. And it is very good, as it says in verse 31 in chapter 1. And then number two, Genesis is the mission, working in the garden uh, with God. That is our vision, Christian. And if you get off of that vision, where there's no vision, as Proverbs says, people will, will perish. And don't you think, John, I mean, think about this. Isn't that the problem? Uh, we don't have that vision anymore. Mm -hmm. We live in the badness, not the goodness of life. And, and we, we take pride in it. Oh, yeah. And we think <laughs> we're going to be that Peter. We're going to be rescuers. So uh, perfectionism. And number three is a simple one. Anger is a huge symptom. Uh, this is a follower of Christ, let's say, who lacks self-control under the purpose of God. They are in their own purpose, typically, because you can have your purpose, but it's not God's, it's yours. You don't have to, and, and then what happens is if that expectation is not met, whatever episode you are in life and something comes along to, let's say, knock that expectation out or whatever your, your standard might be, oh, you blow up, you get all upset. Maybe not outwardly, a lot of people get rage, but how about passive aggressively mm -hmm. for you that are oppressing life rather than actually living in the freedom of Christ where we can truly bow down to reality in a way that we are to really enjoy life. So maybe replacing self-control with trying to control others. Yeah, that, that's right. That's a good way to put it. I always think of uh, Henry Cloud here. Uh, he says, listen, folks, you have we're, con we're born to be control freaks, mm -hmm. but to only control one thing, ourselves under the purpose of God. And, and when, when you're not doing that, anger is the symptom. And do not justify, or better yet, rationalize with Jesus getting uh, angry in the temple. That's a whole different ball game. Right. You're not God. Get out of your God complex. Hello. So there you go. Some symptoms, the three big ones, rescuing, perfectionism, and of course, anger. So with that, John, I think we maybe should give some solutions. Or well, solution. Let's spend the, the last few moments that we have for this week, Drake, um, exploring the solution to this issue of despising the little ones. Yes. And we know this, the solution, the resolve, the answer is always Jesus. Mm -hmm. So with this particular command now, with the transitioning of self-leadership to organizational leadership, often what we have to do is go back to command number one, repent. Now for the kingdom of God is at hand and we need to stop believing. So we need to repent. Stop. That means stop believing in your minute way, in your subjective way mm -hmm. and quit defining what good and evil is quit eating from the tree of death and turn to the wisdom of god the tree of life so that so that's disputing it isn't it so we got to stop we got to dispute it and then recognize your way is not working for the betterment of god's kingdom and then at that point when we apply it we want to transform that belief into a belief of jesus repent <laughs> and and so that we can truly 
uh, be leaders that are going to guide little ones to the promised land. So rather than, let me say this, leaders out there and people that are truly engaged, to repent means to change one's mind. Well, how does that happen? We've got to stop apologizing for everything, make the decision to change our behavior by hearing and obeying this command. Okay, so again, that just means to repent means to change one's mind and turn around and keep, excuse me, and be transformed. Now, what, what does that mean? A lot of people misunderstand what repentance is. Let me say it this way. Religious people apologize and turn around. But if you just turn around and do not take the next step incrementally and objectively, you have not repent. And this is to be our lifestyle. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Lifestyle. We are to live uh, uh, a lifestyle of repentance now incrementally learning the objective reality of God and then putting it in place one pebble at a time as we see Proverbs and then growing closer and closer and becoming more connected and bonding uh, deeper in our relationship with God and with others in life. Now recall what John the Baptist said here. Uh, John the Baptist sternly preached repentance to the leadership or overseers of his day. He said you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath it's been preached all the way through the old testament and he says produce fruit in keeping with repentance and we see that in course luke 3 and this is exactly the voice that we're bringing to you today is we have to truly produce fruit in keeping with repentance and that is a lifestyle so the solution john repent and then move forward objectively in the humbleness of all of this, in the openness of all of this, with care, so that we can truly be effective or fruitful in our day and age. With all that in place, Drake, let's go back to the question then that you asked at the very beginning and uh, see if we see that question now in a different, different light than we did 30 minutes ago. Yeah, right back to the question, do you sense you're a tolerant person? Or do you tend to use blame, guilt, and condemnation uh, to those you are guiding. And don't forget, you are a people too. You're guiding yourself. So mm -hmm. put yourself there in the sense of your own self-leadership, but also with those in leadership, uh, we'll say organization leadership, that's guiding people to their faith. All so right. there you go. Well, despise not the little ones. Remember that. Drake, it's always a pleasure to uh, get to sit down and visit with you. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. That'll do it for this week. We'll see you again next week on Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake. If you would like to learn more or have any questions or comments, please feel free to email Pastor Drake at wonderfullyweirdliving at gmail.com. To obtain your own copy of the book Wonderfully Weird, please log on to www.wonderfullyweirdliving.com and click on the button that says Buy the Book. Wonderfully Weird Living is a ministry of four-dimensional living, offering wholeness coaching for mind, body, soul, and spirit. Also, would you please prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner to help the Wonderfully Weird Living ministry impact more and more lives? Please log on to www.4dimensionalliving.com. That's 4dimensionalliving.com with the number 4. Now, for Pastor Drake Hunter, I'm John Waters wishing you a wonderfully weird week.